right. That's the sound of Clear the Air, the Simply Stogies podcast after show. We're back. I am your host, the Mac. I am the guy that everybody pokes fun at just because it's super easy to do. That's Tim. That's me. And of course, on this uh, angle right over here that I'm going to show you in just a second, that's J- uh, James. Blah. Yeah, hey. James. Uh, uh, he's the guy. Back, Tim. Yeah, yeah. he's he's the guy that has the voice and the face for radio, but for some reason decided to do video. What's going on with that? Uh, That's all 100% your fault. Anyone who doesn't want to look at my fucking ugly mug, you can blame Timothy. (laughs) Yeah, go ahead. Blame me. And uh, it's actually really cool today. This is a great episode. We have a third person with us, the co-host of Simply Stogie's podcast, and our local Cuban Wikipedia, that's Nick. Nick, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on my first Clear the Air episode. Clear, well. Is that what it's called? <laughs> yeah, Clear the Air. That's okay. right. James is like, oh, Nick wants to come on. I'm like, well, heck yeah. And we're going to talk about Cuba. Uh, okay, heck yeah. So uh, that's what we're going to do today. What are you smoking, by the way? My own. I like the, mm. I like the Nick Toro and... Uh, that's become my go-to stick, so I like it. Well, I, yeah, yeah. I didn't have any Cubans uh, like a good law-abiding American citizen. I didn't have any Cubans in my humidor, so I actually picked up one of your sticks, the, uh, the oh, Claro there. nice. Thank you. Uh, and this is uh, an amazing stick. And James, I skipped you. What are you smoking? <laughs> Not what you're putting down, that's for sure. Oh, good law-abiding citizen. I don't have any Cubans. I don't I just, I just spoke in L.A. Uh, if you, did you hear me, Uncle Sam? Did you hear me? I'm a good boy. Well, uh, I'm just, not. Just, just to mention that there is no law against smoking. You're not breaking any laws no, no. for being in possession or for smoking Cuban cigars. So right. there's no laws. You know. So the, yeah. this is a very interesting thing because I have always been used to not even being like, Cuba, bad. No, you can't go. You can't do anything. And I was listening to this episode in particular, and you had mentioned uh, something about like uh, a box that you check and 12 reasons right. uh, for visiting Cuba. That's Categories. Correct. Thank you. Yeah. And so I kind of did a little bit of uh, Google uh, and, and was looking into it. And I'm like, oh, crap. You actually can go and visit Cuba. Right. Self-declaring. One of the categories, the big key for people that are interested in doing that is you must keep very copious itinerary notes. So the key is to be complying with the U.S. government is that you must attend a program of full time of whatever the category you're going under. So if it's educational, if it's journalistic, if it's church related, you know, there's a religious one. Um, You literally have to put in at least eight hours a day of doing that particular thing. So it's not, you know, most people don't, but, you know, then you're not in compliance. When When I do the tours, you know, mine are, you know, support of the Cuban people. And uh, by going there, literally, that's what we do is we support the Cuban people by going to Casa Particulares instead of hotels, taking local transportation, local drivers, uh, visiting local Casa Particulares, which are restaurants, 
So we try to put the money directly into the Cuban people's hands. And of course, we get to tell them about how wonderful the United States is. Um, not that they, <laughs> not that they don't already know that. Um, but, uh, you know, it's a beautiful country to visit. That's why it's become in so many ways my second home. Uh, and, and even with all the mess and things, I'm glad that I was back and I'm glad as if you heard the the episode uh, uh, just that came out on the first that things are getting better. You know, it's not quite there. If you talk to the Cubans off the record, they'll tell you, no, things are not getting better and it's a mess. But at least they they put on a front for the tourists and for the foreigners that are visiting because they rely so heavily on uh, on people coming there to bring their their cash and spending it in their economy there. That sounds really familiar. James does that a lot. Oh, yeah, everything's good. Everything's great. Uh, and then when he gets you off to the side, he's like, oh, what a shit show. I can't believe Tim. He does it all the time. Well, yeah, that's just because you suck. <laughs> See what I said? I- the Cuban people don't really suck. You do. Yeah, so, well. Uh, let, me, right. let, me, uh, let me ask Nick this. Nick, I've never asked Nick this on the show. And as I've said before, the show is a lot different than this show, like uh, Simply Stogie's podcast, right, Tim? Like we oh, talked yeah, about yeah. it. Like that's infotainment, if you will, uh, where you get a little bit of information. We try to make it entertaining. We have guests on and we have some fun. This show is uh, legitimately like a shit show. Uh, we ask questions uh, that we normally wouldn't ask. So when you say, Nick, that you have to take copious amounts of notes for the uh, for the U.S. government, right? Like, right. To show where you've been, who you talk to, where you spent your money. Is it still frowned upon, like, to get a hooker in Cuba? <laughs> like, do you have to put that down in the notes? Well, and, uh, I, I um, spent... <laughs> <laughs> prostitution <laughs> prostitution is officially illegal where there's many countries in Europe uh and even parts of the United States where prostitution is legal in Cuba it is technically illegal i will say okay. i will say that any country um that is in desperate need of money there are people there that are willing to do just about anything and you got to feel sorry for them in a lot of ways because that exists. And yeah. the one thing that is very, very frowned upon uh, in Cuba uh, is underage girls. If you are crazy enough to date, see, you know, an underage girl, they will lock your ass up. And the last thing you want to do is be in a Cuban jail. At least I, I feel like I if to. you're doing that with an <laughs> underage girl, like they should lock your ass up. Oh, absolutely. So the point yeah. of it is. There's countries, and I've heard stories about the Dominican and uh, some other countries that you can pay your way out of those type of situations. There is no such thing as that happening in Cuba. So, um, yeah, you know, this is not uh, Thailand or whatever, you know, when it comes to know, And that just goes to my like my whole argument, Nick, that we talked about this before. I think I had nauseum is this whole the, the, the embargo and everything against Cuba. Right. It's so kind of just silly at this point, especially when you talk about that, where in other countries you can get away with that kind of thing. And in Cuba, you just absolutely can't. Why are we why why are we still so dead set uh, uh, against Cuba and not these other countries that are objectively worse? There there's a lot of reasons Um, we could do a whole episode about that. And the, and the, the main reason is because 
the Cuban Americans that uh, live in the United States, primarily in Miami, there's a part of New Jersey, there's a county in New Jersey that there's more Cubans that live there than there of Cuban descent that live there than in Havana. So there are millions and millions of Cuban um, people that live in the United States and they have a lot of power. The one thing with Cubans when they come over, um, they do work and they do seem to take advantage of the American dream about working hard and uh, getting ahead. There are other countries that have come here that uh, tend not to, but the Cubans are not those people and they better themselves. They, they get a lot of power because they have money and they have political. There's a lot of politicians that, you know, are Cuban. So, you know, Cuba is a political hotbed and that's the main reason that they have this embargo. And, and of course, most of the people in this industry that come from Cuban descent, which is a majority of the manufacturers, um, they're dead set against being in Cuba. And I've mentioned that I have friends from college uh, and that are of Cuban descent that have told me, Nick, I would love to come to Cuba with you on one of your official trips, but my father would kill me. I can't until, you know, you cannot go back. They are so anti, you know, the the Castro regime, the regime and, and everything about it that they will not go. And they look at me like, okay, I used to go to Cuba because I had uh, lounges in the Middle East that I was involved with. And so business-wise, they kind of tolerated the fact that I still go. Why do I still go to Cuba? One, because for me, it will forever be the birthplace of cigars. And there is something magical about smoking cigars for me in Cuba. I love it. Um, the Cuban people, they love Americans and, they, and they're very nice. Um, they're not, you know, look, they're, they're for, for people that are very poor for the most part, they are there to accommodate you in any way they can. Yeah, they're looking for money, but at least they're working for it. You don't see beggars on the street. You don't see um, the, the stuff you see even in our own inner cities. So in that in that sense, it's a great place to be. You know, so, yeah, the embargo, I, I think it, it's proven that, in my opinion, that it's failed and they should do something about it. But as long as the Cuban um, contingency here in the U.S., is anti, you know, the the Senator Mark Rubio, who is a big supporter of this industry, of the Cuban, uh, of the cigar industry. So I don't want to say too much about Rubio, but he has his rhetoric of being of Cuban descent. And that's his that's his soapbox. And um, that's what he does. So I was thinking that. Not if, but when you start doing your trips, we need to do a Simply Stogies charter. And I don't know how many, how many is in a normal group of people that, that go on uh, a, a trip to Cuba with you? Well, in the past, the average was on the low side, I would take six to eight. On the high side, 12. I've done a few more, but it gets a little crazy because, um, you know, it's like herding cats when you get more than that. Um, so I try to keep the, as a manageable group. Um, but yeah, like it, it depends. It depends on who the group is. Sometimes I, I do individual people that I just put together in a collective group. And sometimes it's, it's, uh, groups, whether they're, uh, cigar clubs or, or, or particular lounges that put together a group. So it depends. We could easily do a, a simply Stogie's group. 
Yeah, sure. but I, and that, that that'd be great and all. But Tim, <laughs> that's I, I was actually just going to ask you because I saw you that go? you're like ah. You know, I don't know. I really don't. I I would need to find out. I don't. I don't think but, you can. But we'll. I'll tell you what. Let's just we'll schedule it in the future. Uh, late 2028 is what I'm. Late thinking. 2028. Well, I can tell yeah, you yeah. that there have been people on my group that worked for the for the American government in some pretty high positions. That when I was doing the tours, you know, in 16 to 18, they were able to go, and then they wanted to go back. You know, after the Trump administration had took over, and they were told they couldn't go. So I don't know now because it's loosened a bit. Um, but yeah, I would yeah, definitely check I think with it, your, I think it just depends on what's going on in the world and, and who we don't want to like at what time it, it's hard saying, but yeah, you just gotta, there's channels, there's people you talk to, you just got to ask nicely, but I think it'd be fun. Uh, I, as James has pointed out many times, I'm not uh, a huge fanboy of the Cuban cigars or the Cuban market because I've always been new world. That's what I was introduced to, and it's what I've always stuck with. And I've tried a few Cubans, and there are a few that I have liked. Uh, but, you know, when you guys were talking about the cost of Cubans and just skyrocketing, um, for me, I'm a guy who wants to smoke what I like, but I also want to smoke what I can afford. This guy can't afford a $100 or $200 cigar. So They're all $100 cigars at this point. Right. I mean, that's well, what I'm saying. Pretty not much. really, not but really, I mean, but in general, yes, it's uh, yeah, it's pretty much the mean now, you know. I mean, yeah. I'm smoking. A, I thanks for asking, Tim. Uh, I actually <laughs> did, sir. I actually did, and you changed the subject in a whiny, pitchy voice. Well, I mean, <laughs> I can keep whining and pitching uh, if you like. I've spoken a Juan Lopez Selexio number two. Uh, one of my favorite Cubans of all time. It's certainly not the most expensive, even uh, during the best of times. Uh, and this has a few years of age on it. I think uh, the box code on this is 2018. So what, four or five years now? I think it's April 20, uh, 2018, actually. So I, it, it's very good. I, but, uh, you know, I, I've talked to Nick about this before, and I know there's going to be people that are going to just... <sighs> They're gonna poo-poo what I'm gonna say because I'm gonna because they're they're Cuban fanboys and there's nothing wrong with that. Like no. Nick Nick has said, when the Cuban cigar is good, it's the best cigar out there, right? Well, sure. Uh, best is very subjective. I, I will have to say that people that have what I would say a Cuban palate, meaning your normal diet of cigars are Cuban, always have been Cuban. We're talking mainly people internationally. Giving them a New World cigar is a different experience. But having said that, the example I always use is George Burns. He smoked the El Producto. And you're talking about a machine-made, very inexpensive cigar that was, in his day, uh, under a dollar. So you could given you could have given him a uh, $20, which would have been a super expensive cigar in his day. And he would have preferred the El Producto because that's his general everyday diet. So whatever your palate is accustomed to in your brain tells you, this is a good cigar. This is what I like. If you're given something that's outside of that given, you know, palette of, of flavors, you're going to find it different, whether you're going to like it more or less, that's up to you. That's why I always tell people to smoke different things in, including, you know, non-Cuban. There's so many different cigars, so many great cigars out there. And I tell people your your favorite cigar could be the next one you try. You maybe never had that yet. So it's always good to always experiment and try different things. 
As well, I, and I would agree with you with the for the most part, Nick. I would agree with you that it is you know you you may just like uh, the Gurkha, or you may just like the Cuban, or you just may like the Rocky Patel, or you just may like the LH, right? And that may be what your palate likes. But it's you know you also said you got to. I'm going to summarize what you said. You got to burn to learn, right? Absolutely. You keep smoke other things and i think for the most part and again i'm painting with a broad brush here so don't come after me people i'm generalizing that's I think, james at simplystogies.com <laughs> when you when you smoke just the gurkha or just the lh or or just the cuban or just the davidoff or just the padron and that is predominantly what you smoke that is absolutely going to be your go-to cigar because your palate gets used to it, it i don't think i think it has less to do with it kind of just hits you right uh and more to do with i'm comfortable with this flavor profile and i'm too fucking lazy to to try other shit i know people that only smoke one cigar you know their whole life and i just say you know that's that's too bad that you don't want to try something else because you may be missing out but you know everybody's got their thing Right. And, and, but, and I mean, that's just it, right? If somebody was just eating macaroni, craft macaroni and cheese their whole life, they're going to hate sushi. They're going to hate, you know they're, what I'm saying? They're going to go gonna... to Vegas and they're going to hate market price macaroni and cheese. <laughs> Jesus, Tim. This is the dumbest fucking story ever that is also the greatest. I've, I've told everyone that story and they all just look at me and they're like, I think I know a Tim. <laughs> Well, <laughs> at least they didn't go, yeah, I think I know a Timmy. Oh, Timmy. Uh, but do uh, you know what I'm saying? If you just eat Kraft macaroni and cheese your whole life, you're not going to like sushi. You're probably not going to like Wagyu beef. You're not going to like, you're not going to like anything. You're d- certainly not going to like pate, right? So it, it, there's there are certain things, as an adult, <laughs> we can certainly choose to eat Kraft macaroni and cheese every day. But as an adult, you should not choose to eat Kraft macaroni and cheese every day. And that's what I I think it's the same with cigars. Am I wrong? Well, if the price keeps going up, you might be a ramen noodle kind of uh, family. (laughs) And uh, so you might then be a heavily discounted Gurkha family. Give me that Gurkha. Give me that Gurkha. It's on sale today for $9.99. That's a $100 cigar. $9.99. Let me get it. (laughs) I do think. When you and I do this, it's hilarious. Nick's actually in the industry. He can't he can't just willy-nilly start making fun of folks. Yeah, no, and I get that. I get that. You could just tell us to uh shut you up. Can and move just on. tell us yeah. to fuck off. I, I'm, fine, I'm, a, We're all right I'm a guest. I am a guest here. <laughs> <laughs> I am too. This is Tim's show. This is all on Tim. Yeah, That's it is. Tool man at simplystogies.com. If it wasn't for the what you two are doing, then this wouldn't even be the shit show that it is. But but, don't gaslight me. Don't yeah, you fucking yeah. I, I, me. I, I'll try not to, but I going back a little bit. I, I, I would say that if I had the opportunity to go to Cuba and smoke a Cuban cigar, though it might cost me more money to do so, that could pause, pause, possibly be words are hard. Yeah, they are. Uh, that could be the only time that I do it. So why wouldn't I do that? It, well, Nick, t- tell him like you go ahead, Nick, because I, I think I think you're going to say what I think you're going to say. So go ahead. I think it's an experience that every cigar smoker should do in their life. If you love cigars 
it should be on your bucket list to go there at least once to say you've been there. You've been to the Mecca of the founding of where the, you know, present day cigars come from and smoking a cigar. I don't care what it is. Smoking it there will just give you an experience that the reason why I even do these tours is because I remember the first time I went to Cuba when I got off the plane and I just drove around and, you know, people go, is it like going back in time? Is it like, I go, yeah, it's all those things. But for me, it's like, it's like being on a different planet. There is no place on earth. Normal laws don't apply. Normal rules don't apply. Uh, some of the famous catchphrases that people use all the time is, is complicated because everything is complicated <laughs> there. It literally is. Everything is complicated. There's nothing that's simple, including doing these tours. It's it's a real difficult thing to do and to make it a good experience. But I've gotten good at it because uh, of my many, many visits and, and years and experiences and and um, the contacts that I've made. Now, mind you, most people have already left. And I've been going there, as I've mentioned, since 2008. And most of the people in the industry, because most of the people I've deal with are just cigar people, whether it be retailers, whether it be you know, the factory people, whether it be the plantations, but mostly everybody that's had any way of getting out of the country, at least in the last couple of years, have done it because it's pretty dire there as far as it's always been a struggle to find things. And, you know, the uh, the idea of a, of a supermarket there, uh, you want to talk about eye opening when you go to a, a supermarket, we're talking a Cuban supermarket, <laughs> You know, take away anything you possibly know about supermarkets. What is a supermarket there is whatever comes in that particular week. If that week paper towels came in, you go there and you buy as many as you can because you don't know when paper towels will be there. Same thing with toilet paper, uh, whatever the the fact that, you know, and there's a lot of, uh, you know, I started, I don't know if uh, I'll tell the story because there's a lot of new listeners. When I first started going there, I, I formed what I thought was going to be a little club. Um, I got to be friendly with a bunch of ambassadors from different countries, Malaysia, Kuwait, Indonesia, Bahamas. There was a bunch of guys and we all got together. I thought it was cool to be hanging out with a bunch of ambassadors from different countries that all loved cigars. So we formed this little club and everybody was taking bets on how quickly the Cuban government would shut down this club because back in the day, you weren't even allowed to, you know, get together. If there was more than three people, Cubans, you need a license. And it's not even a joke. There's like a, a baseball club they had there where they just talk baseball, but they had to get a license from the government to be able to conjugate together and talk about these things because it's somewhat paranoid society. You know, you're always being watched one way or the other. But the good thing is you don't really realize it if you're not aware you know, they're in behind the scenes, so to speak. Um, they just want to make sure you're not there to overthrow their government and, and whatever the case may be. They, they you know, listen, they've kept a good wrap on people there for the last 50 plus years. And it's not by letting people just do their own thing. Um, so, you know, there is there's that factor of it. But the way I've managed to stay out of trouble is I, even with the club, we had simply two rules. One rule was no politics. You don't discuss politics. You don't say anything good about the Cuban government. You don't say anything bad about the Cuban government. In fact, you don't go there at all. You're there for one reason, to smoke cigars. And, you know, they they were okay with it. And they allowed me to go as many times as I've gone because, and believe me, I have been watched, followed, 
And who knows what kind of file they have on me there. But the reality is they go there and they go, hey, Nick, he's a cigar guy. I will not be seen anywhere in Cuba without a cigar in my hand. And that's what I go to do. You know, it's all centric around cigars. I think the file they have on you is about this thick, Nick, like right here. And the very last page they put in is this guy doesn't like to wait in a fucking line. That, well, that's true too. That's true too. Now, now I, I'm because this was my question when you're talking about the grocery stores and and you know uh, uh, like being followed and surveillance. I always assume that technology and um, I don't know if I'm right or wrong. Technology is not the greatest in Cuba. So, are they still paper files? Well, you'd be wrong still- about that. You would be absolutely really? wrong. The one wow, thing okay. they spend money on is technology especially surveillance technology. Now, now I feel lied to my entire life. No, they, no they, you were. that's where they spend money. They, they make a point of spending a lot of money with technology. And one thing they have a lot of resources is people, right? So you may see a cop or two on the beat, but how many plain clothes or what they call the, the G2 or the, the Hey Dose, um, the secret police that are monitoring everything that goes on. I mean, there was a time not too many years ago that if a Cuban had contact with an American, they were supposed to report that to their local CDC, which is their local. Uh, they had this whole thing, you know, the where, where they had to be. And it wasn't a joke, you know. Now, as an American, you know, yes, you're being surveillanced in some way or another. But like I mentioned, the good part is it's invisible. You don't really see it. You're not aware of it. You know, and as long as you do what you're supposed to do over there. And you don't mess around with their look. I believe whether good, bad or indifferent, you go to a country and you have to observe their rules. You know, I'm not there to um, that's not my job. I'm not CIA. I'm not there to circumvent the government. I'm not there to do anything that would get me in trouble. So keeping those rules in mind, if you go there to meet with the Cuban people, if you go there for uh, education about uh, dancing and salsa, do that. You know, there's groups that do that. There's trips that specialize in all kinds of different things that uh, Cuba has to offer. And there's a lot of talented people there on the musical end and the uh, the musicians there are amazing. Um, there's a lot of talent in Cuba. There's a lot of, you know, raw resources that these people um, are very, I'm amazed with the Cuban uh, ingenuity, you know, that the way they've been able to keep cars that are 50, 60 years old, you know, on the road with no parts coming in, uh, getting things into Cuba, thanks to our embargo, has made it very, very difficult for them. They've managed to to make a way around it, um, but, you know, it's difficult. It definitely affects them for sure. Do you ever see the embargo being 100% lifted? Yeah, I do. Um, I used to think it would happen in my lifetime. I'd like to believe that it would. You know, things were starting to go in that direction, and then it reverted back. Uh, I think what's going to happen is the Cuban-American contingency here in the U.S. that's 100% against – once the Castros are out of the picture entirely, you know, Fidel passed a few years ago, Raul is still alive, um, but not currently the the president of the country. Um, I think what you see his passing and he's in his 80s, um, he'll be the last Castro. I think they'll be more open to allow something to happen. So I think when that happens, you might see another step in that direction. But, you know, I was just in, in Puerto Rico you know, a few weeks ago, about a month ago. And I 
couldn't help but think, wow, you know, this is probably what Cuba would be if it was, you know, if it wasn't for the embargo and the American thing. I mean, for a country that's right off our shores, and I understand, you know, the 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 Cuban American side of it, but if you see the polls that are being done, all the new Cuban blood that's coming in, all these new Cubans, and there's been hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of new Cubans that have come in the last few years. The polls are about 50-50 right now. So the Cuban-American powerhouse of like a anti-Cuba, don't go, it's not it's not as strong anymore. You know, the, the old school, of course, is, but you see that is going to start also uh, eroding uh, a lot of the, the straight, you know, anti-Cuban um, sentiment. So I think it, it's possible. I think it, it's uh, it's a good thing. I think that will happen. Um you know, look, we we do business with a lot of other countries. We do we have relations with a lot of countries that, in my opinion, are way worse. Uh, but because financially uh, it behooves us as a country, we overlook these things. But with the Cuban um, country, because the fact the only the only big thing that they have um, that we're scared of, as far as uh, is their proximity to our shores. You know, and right now you have the Russians that don't want to give up their uh, their hold of that country. Um, but it's happening. The, the Chinese government now has become has taken over the role of, of the Russian government there. And there are more Chinese uh, people there. And everything now is being done through that. Like all the cars that are buying um, are Chinese. Everything is being done. With the Chinese government, they're now in projects with building hotels, and uh, they have money to spend. But what I say, the difference is, all these other countries over the years that have foregone, uh, foregone their 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 debts, they've just wiped it out. Even the European companies and countries that have put money there, they're like, okay, we'll take this away. I don't think the Chinese are going to be like, hey, listen, we're just going to let it go. They won't let that debt go. So. There'll come a point where there'll be a boiling point where they're going to have to do something. And I think their only way out, if they plan on not paying them, is getting somebody else to replace, whether it be the Russians step up or at some point, maybe the United States will step up and have to kind of get in place because we can't allow you know, the Chinese to take over completely either. And, and they are right now. Yeah, but I mean, we saw what that turned into. When the Russians were trying to take over, I, this is the this is the plight of the Cuban people, and it's all cyclical. Is that they're always in a bigger their pawns in a pol- bigger political game? Always, yeah. You know wh- whether it's whether it's U.S. Russia or U.S. China, they're always going to be a pawn in that bigger political game, and they have, um, you know since Castro, they have sided with the other side. And so they kind of get caught up in that. And it's not, it's not their fault. I certainly feel terrible for them, uh, but I agree with you. I think, I think at some time. Understand I, I, uh, James, it was out of, if you try to like, I always put myself, whether it's in a debate, an argument or whatever, I always try to see the other side of the coin. And you have to understand that if the United States is your enemy, you know, by, because it's, they had to. Um, yeah. You go with, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my, enemy is my, my friend, friend, so to speak. Yeah. So it's not like they love the Russians or they love the Chinese. 
but it's out of necessity. It was the Russians because they didn't want us to take over. I mean, we tried with the with the Bay of Pigs and that scared the shit out of them, whether they want to admit it or not. So what did they do? You know, they buddied up with the Russians and it's kind of worked. You know, it's kind of yeah. worked. Uh, and now it's the Chinese, the Chinese, um, you know, they got a lot of power. They got a lot of money. Uh, they're, they're, I think my opinion is they're going to end up ruining the Cuban uh, cigar industry in years to come. Uh, right now, they don't see it that way. But I think I really don't think it's going to work out in their favor. I really believe that these high prices can only go for a certain amount of time. Um, and if, if 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 the Cuban government decide, I mean, the, the Chinese government decides one day, OK, no more Cuban cigars in, in Cuba in China. Then what? You know, uh oh, then what? That's going to be yeah. look. They did it with cigarettes. Um, they allowed Marlboro to be the cigarette brand from the United States to be in Q in in China, and they got everybody addicted to cigarettes, and everybody was smoking cigarettes. And then they decided, no, nah, no more. Now you have to smoke our local Chinese brand. And okay, it's not as good as Marlboro or whatever. And but people, because they were addicted to cigarettes. They were forced and they moved everything to the Chinese brands. Now, I'm sure they're working on ways or trying to, even though they own half of Habanos, uh, I think they're trying and they've been trying for years to come up with a way to make cigars, premium cigars in China. Uh, so far, it hasn't worked out so well for them. But if they figure it out, you know, Cuba will be in trouble with the, with the cigars. Well, and we talked about this a little bit. Uh, on the last episode of Simply Stogie's Nick, where I feel like like Habanos SA is really painting themselves into a corner because eventually, uh, you know, Europe was like we talked about this. Europe was uh, an old world cigar. They only wanted the Cubans. That's what they wanted. It's all they smoke. It's the rest of the world that all of the, you know, you have not just Europe, the whole right. world in general, with the exception of the U.S. market. Smoked only non-Cuban uh, cigars. I mean. Cuban, right. right. So now, because of the shortage, because they're prohibitively expensive, you're seeing a lot more of these quote-unquote old-world Cuban-only smokers start to smoke new-world new stuff. And this is where it kind of gets interesting and kind of ties into everything we were talking about earlier about tastes and uh, palates acclimating to, to, to certain things, Nick is when they start to go and they are are smoking these non-Cubans and only non-Cubans and non-Cubans and non-Cubans and non-Cubans and non-Cubans. You've had this issue as well because we've talked about this. Your core line uh, of LH is very Cubanesque. It has a very Cuban profile to it. And you've said it doesn't do well in the American market. So you came out with the Nikos, which is the Nick, very the good. Nick line. <laughs> yeah. No, the and Nick line. That is, that's... That's that's the American palate. It's right. developed, blended for the American palate. Exactly. So when when the the rest of the world has not been able to get Cubans for I don't know, let's say five years, because I don't see this ending anytime soon. Do you? So let's just no. say five years. No, you're right. So for five years they smoke nothing but non-Cubans, and let's say in the next five years Cuba goes, oh shit, Habanos SA is like we need to fix this, and they start to lower the price and let people smoke it again. Are people going to be able to go back to that Cuban? Because I like just based on mine, my anecdotal, uh, uh, you know, evidence of myself is that humidor right there. Just it, it, I never smoke out of it. Like I'm smoking this tonight because we're talking about Cubans. 
But for the most part, I'm smoking out of the other two that are non-Cubans. Well, that, that's a good point because when we first met and started talking uh, as as much as we do, you were constantly buying Cubans. You were you oh, were yeah. just stockpiling them. And you, at that point in time, you're like, oh, this is the greatest thing ever. At least that's the impression I got. And I'm just like, <laughs> so I, I started looking. I'm like, oh, shit. Okay, well, any place that will sell them to me only takes Visa. Well, that that takes me out of the game. I don't have Visa, you know. <laughs> uh, but still, it was funny to me to see you transition from the Cuban cigar mentality to well, and else. Nick has said this before. For Americans, it's certainly uh, uh, there's a uh, some of it. I don't. I won't say all of it, but some of it is the forbidden fruit aspect. You can't, sure, you're not supposed to have it. You can't have it, uh, but you get it. And oh man, is it so good? It's the it's that forbidden fruit, and that luster wears off pretty quick, right? But Nick, what are your thoughts on all that? I think that anybody that has a Cuban palate or is used to smoking Cuban cigars and starts smoking non-cubans and that started uh in, in that that snowball really started when obama you know opened up cuba in some ways but the rest of the world freaked out saying oh my god you know now the, the americans are going to buy all our cuban cigars we better find something else so they were all of a sudden willing to try a non-cuban cigar of course the embargo was always in place and that was never the but the misconception i mean I mentioned this before, you call any shop and you ask them how many times a day they get calls, especially when they all the news was about Cuba. Hey, do you have Cuban cigars? Do you have Cuban cigars? No, it is illegal to sell Cuban cigars in the United States. It has been and probably will until that embargo you know, is lifted. And the embargo is not going to be lifted anytime soon. And it's not going to be lifted with an executive order. It has to be an act of Congress. Uh, and, you know, that's for the Helms-Burton uh, Act that uh, was put in there um, to prevent that from ever happening just by the stroke of a pen. So it's going to take an act of Congress. So people have been smoking non-Cubans. And that's why I've said that my cigar, again, the reason why I blended a cigar that has remnants or the essence of a Cuban blend is because my market was overseas. That's where I started. I started in the Middle East. And it just grew from there. People that were used to smoking Cuban cigars would kind of be, and I and they was termed the, the bridge cigar for people that like Cuban cigars to smoke a non-Cuban that reminded you of that. And it kind of was a transition. And then you'd start with the Claro, which is my uh, milder, you know, uh, LH cigar. And then you'd move over to the Colorado, which was a more medium. And then you would go into the Maduro. But if you gave a, a um, Cuban smoker my LH Maduro, they would go, whoa. Now, the, the U.S. market takes my Maduro and go, yeah, it's not that strong. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's it's, <laughs> you know, but the Cubans would go, oh, my. And that's the other thing that people think Cuban cigars are strong. And even the strongest Cuban cigar is not that strong. It's, it's just oh, milder, like, you know, medium. I, I feel and I had this argument with a guy. Uh, he was like, Cuban cigars are strong. And I just rolled my eyes and I'm like, they may be full bodied. But they are medium, like medium strength, man. Like at most medium strength. I mean, they have and categories. They have their mild, medium, what they consider mild, medium, and full. The fuller cigars of, of Cuban cigars would be like a Bolivar or a Partagas. Um, and then there, and the and the light ones would be like the Hoyo. Um, and then Cohiba was kind of a medium. So, 
you know, there's their version of mild, medium, and full. But you're right. Even a Bolivar, even though it could be a full-bodied cigar, because of the, the flavor profile that it is, for Americans, that would be at best, at best, tipping into the medium range. So, yeah, yeah it's it's a different mindset. It's a different flavor profile. And, um, you know, it's, you know, palates are changing for people outside of the U.S. slowly but surely. And I know because, I've, like I mentioned on the show we did, that when distributors, we're talking about Habanos distributors overseas that are, you know, starting to talk about looking at bringing in other non-Cuban um, cigars in, you know, things are going to change. Uh, it, it's not like you said, it's not going to happen overnight um, because people want what they can't have forever. And also for a lot of people, because the price has tripled, you know, I, I use the example of the Burka bag. You know, why why are people spending $20,000 or $200,000 for a purse? One, because they can. And two, it gives them that exclusivity. Oh, look, I, I can smoke this. And why people smoke Cohibas, whether it's a fake Cohiba or not, you know, they smoke it because they want everyone to see that band and that label and tells them they're cool and they're smoking of an expensive cigar. So band smokers. Now, Cohibas, uh, just to clarify, never come in a plexiglass top box. No. Good God, no. <laughs> Don't buy them off the fucking beach. Jesus, yeah. fuck. Not that, was what was, that was funny for me because that last deployment, everybody, they had a, when I was in Iraq, there was a little cigar shop and they had, like, all the labels and everything looked legit. But then I was like, I, the glass top just makes it look cheap and not real. Because it's but not they, real. They were buying it. I was like, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. And I don't know anything. They saw you guys coming from a fucking mile oh, away. Oh, yeah. Probably years in advance. They Stupid American. They had time to set that shop up. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid Americans, get out the fucking Cubans with the glass top box. I'll buy it. Plexiglass, not glass. Yeah. Yo, yeah, but see, that's just it. Nobody. That's, that's the thing. Like, if you don't know, if you haven't done the research, I guess buy what you know, even if, if it is that Gurkha or that Rocky Patel or whatever other usual suspects that you're used to, don't go. And if you haven't done the research, don't buy Cubans. And especially if your buddy's like, hey, I was over in, you know, the Dominican or I was in the Caribbean or wherever and I got some Cubans. You want some? Just say thanks, but no thanks. Like, well, I don't. Think, yeah, I think the one thing that uh, I've always been told is if you go somewhere uh, overseas, obviously, where Cuban cigars are sold, always buy from an authorized dealer, not just some okay, shady. Uh, yeah, the LCDH, the right. La Casa de Habano. Yep. Yep. That's, that's the only place you should buy from if you're overseas. I know like in the Caribbean, I think their St. Kitts has one. Yes, they do. An LCDH. Yeah, well, I was just there, uh, actually. Yeah, uh, and there, I, there's one in Mexico, isn't there? One or two oh, in there's, Mexico? There's quite a few in Mexico. There's one in Is Cancun. There? There's one in Mexico City. There's one in uh, Tijuana. There's there's a bunch, yeah. But I mean, even there, and these are just anecdotal stories that I've heard from folks who have traveled uh, down that way, is you still have to be careful when you walk into an LCDH because you might get taken for a ride. I don't know that for a fact. This is just what I've heard that they... I bought a fake one from so-and-so at this place or a fake one from so-and-so at this place. So I, I think, again, if you're not sure what you're doing and you don't know what you're looking for. 
It's not Maybe. it's not just uh, La Casa de Habanos. They have different categories now. They have stores and they have their seal. Like just like you have authorized dealers, they have what they call Habano specialists, um, which is not quite. There's certain requirements needed to be a La Casa de Habanos, which is certain amount of square footage has to have a bar. Um, you know, and so the smaller locations can be authorized with uh, called the Habano specialists. Uh, mainly, you'll see those in a lot of European countries. But uh, there's not La Casas everywhere. There's a lot of them. I think there's, God, I think it's like 190 of them uh, worldwide. And then there's Cohiba Atmosphere, which is the next step above uh, on the hierarchy of shops. And those are like, they have to have a restaurant in there. And they're really nice too. Um, but yeah, if you go to La, La Casa de Albanos, and again, depending on the country, you're pretty sure that it's should be a legitimate cigar. I've never come across, I've been in shops uh, in certain countries where they'll sit there and tell you, okay, these are fake, you know, Cubans that we sell <laughs> and these are not. And I'm like, wait a minute, that's a box of 25 Bejiques? Yeah, those are real. Uh, no, because they don't make a 25 count box. Oh, yes, I know, I know. Oh, okay, I'm not going to argue with them because you're never going to win that battle. But no. yeah, there's a lot of BS out there for sure. I yeah. get a 25 box, 25 count box of BK. Like, sign me up. Yeah. You know, for $200. Okay. Yeah. $200. Sure. Yeah. Give me, yes. give me four of those. Jesus. What the hell? God. Yeah. Don't, don't be that guy. guys. Don't be that guy. If you don't know what you're looking for, <laughs> maybe stick with something simple. Yeah. I was going to say, you got to, you'd have to do your research or know what you're looking for and stuff like that. If you're just going to be out traveling and, and out and about and, and you just see it. Like for example, maybe, if, maybe if, not. I don't know. If Tim went out of country mm. and he came back and he's like, James, I got these Cubans <laughs> at a great deal. I'd be like, good for you, buddy. He's like, you, you want to buy some? Thank you. But no, thank you. I'm a little strapped for cash. Or something. I don't know, but thank you. I you smoke them yourself. But like if 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 Nick came back or or Randy or my brother who knows nothing about cigars, they're like, hey, I got these. Like I'd be like, yeah, let me get it. I'll I'll buy some from you. But no, not Tim, not the Mac. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If I buy them, they're probably definitely not real. <laughs> Comes with this great plexiglass top. You should smoke them. They're so good. So are the prices, because I know we don't have to talk about inflation or anything like that, but um, the price is going up. And I think uh, in China, they're even more ridiculous. But overall, if you go anywhere in the world, are the prices pretty consistent across the board or do they fluctuate everywhere? No, actually what's happened and, and the reason for the tripling in prices with the brands of Cohiba and Trinidad is what they decided not too long ago is that there was a certain retail price that Cohiba sold for in the Asia market. And so they decided, and I think the reason, and I've said this before, the reason they did that is they want, they're, they're insatiable. They, they, can, they can't get enough and they're willing to pay for it. So their prices were always triple the retail. Even when you could buy a box of Sigalo 6s, that's what I use as my barometer, in Cuba pre-pandemic for like 500 something dollars for a box of 25 in in the asia market in hong kong for instance that box would be 1500 dollars. now it depends on the local countries they all kind of the distributors get their price 
which is pretty much the same, but then you add the different taxes. So if you were to go to the UK, the cigars were astronomically priced there because of the taxes. They do it by weight. Um, other countries were less. Uh, it was known that the, the best prices outside of Cuba was uh, in Lebanon because there was a duty-free shop, and there still is in the airport there in Beirut, that outside of Cuba, they had the best prices and they had good they had good availability because the distributor, Phoenicia, which handles all of the African and, and uh, Middle East markets and Cyprus and Greece, um, they were the distributor and also owned the retail shops. So you would have a lot. And there were people that would make day trips, you know, especially from the Asia market that would be closer to go to Lebanon. The Russians would fly in for the day just to go on a shopping spree in Beirut and then leave. And uh, in Europe, the market was Span the, the Spanish market. The Spaniards would buy, that was their number one um consumable market for Cuban cigars for the longest time. They still claim that they're the number one market. I don't think so anymore. Um, well, there's still a lot of Spanish uh, people that are are smoking uh, Cuban cigars there. The prices are less than other countries, but still. But what they did is they unilaterally uh, made the price, the, the Asian price, the same price everywhere else. So if a box of Cohibas, I, I mentioned that in September, when I went to um, to Cuba for the 55th anniversary, and I and for this episode, I wore my swag that I got from that festival, which is the hat, the shirt. I even have the damn lighter they gave us. You know, at the, at the gala, it's all the 55th, and it's all cool. Um, the price of a box of Cigalos was 1,700 in a shop. Now you couldn't buy a box, but they had enough where you could buy a stick. So $1,700 for a box. Now, a short five months later, it's $2,400. You know, they've had increases across the board on all the other Cuban cigars, but that's generally between five and 10%. Everything else tripled, you know, and basically just for the Cohiba stuff and the Trinidad stuff. Um, the rest of the stuff had increases, but not quite as steep as the other uh, the other brands. So yeah, the prices are somewhat unilateral. Uh, however, local taxes apply, you know, and, and that's where you yeah, can UK, Australia, you're going to be paying top dollar for Canada, yeah. Yeah. Canada, Oof. Canada. Yeah. 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 I've yeah, heard like Canada and Australia are, are two really bad ones for taxes. That's why you don't see a lot of Americans going across the border to Canada, buying Cubans and coming back. Cause it's, it's just, it's even more expensive than getting them here the old fashioned way. Yep. Through the gray market. <laughs> so <laughs> it's uh it's not really a black market, it's a gray market. Uh but it's interesting because I, I wanted to bring this up, Nick. In the last in this last episode, you said because I mentioned something about if you can get them back through, and you're like, Yeah, everybody who came through Miami got them all confiscated. But if you landed somewhere else, maybe not, probably because they didn't know what they were talking about, you know, what they were really looking for. Um, you know, you've got to be careful with that, even on the gray market. Because if you order some online and you get them and they get confiscated, you're going to get a nice little letter. I think I've said this on the show before. You're going to get a nice little letter from customs saying, hey, somebody tried to send you something illegal. Why don't you come down to the local office and we'll talk about it? Yeah, just don't go down to the local office to talk about it. Like, <laughs> you'll still get a letter. Somebody, no, you'll still get a letter. Yeah, you, know? yeah, you could frame it or something, but no, don't no, go no. down to the local it'll, office it'll and talk be, to them. It'll be in your file. Uh, what they do with that, I don't know. But you would. I know people that have gotten those letters. 
and um, also followed years ago with a letter from you know the Treasury Department with a fine. Um, no so, kidding. Yeah. Jeez. Wow. You know, I don't want to tell. I, I don't want to tell go, stories out of, out of school. But <laughs> there's a particular friend of mine who owns a very well-known brand of cigars um, that got a letter, and I was telling him because I did all my homework. I said, "Listen, all you have to do is appeal it," and there was no. There was nothing in place with an appellate court to appeal it. So if you appealed it, they were like, "Ah, oh, okay, we're just gonna have to put this over here," and you never, you never had to pay the well, fine. How are they gonna pr- right? How are they gonna prove that somebody didn't buy it for you and send it? Not really. So if money? somebody, oh, if somebody just didn't want that hanging over their head, like this particular guy did, he paid the fine, and it was in the thousands of dollars. Um, ridiculous. And wow. he paid, and he paid it. So they they basically say, "Listen, if you want to pay it, pay it. You know, if not." You know, you you don't know what's going to happen. You know, and uh, but you're still not going to get your product, though. No, 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 no. no. You're not yeah. <laughs> no. It's not like, oh, I'll just pay this thousand bucks and they'll ship it to me. No, 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 no. No, <laughs> no. no. I remember a few years ago, people were talking about because uh, a lot of them come through, uh, not the border, like not on not not the. Uh, I'm not going to say where, but let's just say it's not on the coast. Like they didn't land in the coast. They landed somewhere closer to the middle. Uh, and uh, I mean, there's only there's like three hubs, right? It's either Chicago, Dallas or St. Louis. So figure it out. And, and the customs officials really cracked down for about six months where they pulled every box of Cubans, you know, that came from Switzerland or Spain or Australia or whatever. Anything that looked like it might be that labeled men's accessories. They'd pull it <laughs> and they were sending letters out right and left. Like, Hey, somebody tried to send you something illegal. Yep. So you got to be careful. Should have packaged it. Women's accessories. <laughs> then, then maybe they wouldn't have opened it. Women's personal hygiene products. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> you might be onto some Tim. I mean, for the most You're part, not. it's a You're hat not. rack, but you never know. <laughs> it's still just a hat rack. <laughs> Well, James, uh, do you have anything else that you want to add? Any other questions you want to ask? I really, I don't, not not concerning Cuba. I think, you know, last year, Nick and I, uh, Nick was gracious enough to come on almost uh, once a month last year. And we did uh, our Cuban sub-series where we covered Cuban history and Cuban cigars and the Cuban people and the pat, like hit the history of Cuba and all of that stuff. And it was great. Mm-hmm. So if you want to really do a deep dive into that. Go back and listen to it. It's on wherever you get your podcasts, uh, you know, Spotify, uh, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Amazon, <clears throat> all those places. It, it's there. Go listen to it. It's a great series. And Nick is a wealth of, of knowledge when it comes to uh, all things Cuba. And we just, you know, we, we talked about it last week. You can go back and listen to that episode. If you haven't, why are you listening to an after show for (laughs) But you didn't listen to the first show to begin with? You're doing it wrong. I'm just telling you. Um, But I did want to, and we talked about this a little bit on the last episode, but I think, fuck, I bought a bundle of 20 LH Nikos, which is your newest LH cigar, uh, Nick. And (laughs) I can't put it the fuck down. It's literally every day I'm looking at the humidor and I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm just going to smoke another one of these. Jesus Christ. It is so good. I want, and I know you've talked about, like you've said, like you kind of feel weird doing it or whatever. I, I don't give a shit because it's that good. People need to like, 
like like try it smoke and if they don't like it like then realize they should just go back to the rocky patel to gurga uh and i could say that because i'm not a manufacturer i'm not in the biz i am biz adjacent so fuck it i could give a shit uh talk about that blend because you told me that this was blended for the american palate and because you can't get cubans anymore I mean, if you wanted something Cuban-esque, you can certainly go with your core line, which is the the L.A. Claro, the L.A. Uh, LH Colorado, or the L.H. Maduro. Uh, and I think the the Claro and the Colorado are right where I, if I want a Cuban cigar and I don't want to smoke a Cuban cigar, those are what I reach for. Uh, but they all have, and I talked about this a little bit in the last show, they'll have that buttery, smooth undertone, and it's creamy, and it's but it's more of a blast of flavor than what you get with the, with the Claro. So an afternoon cigar is perfect. An after dinner cigar, it's perfect. A dessert cigar, it's perfect. Like what did you do with the Nikos that is so different from your core blends? Uh, Nick, Nick, I think you're muted. Oh, sorry about that. Um, <laughs> that, that's my cough button. Cause I still have that lingering cough. <laughs> you got the lingering so cough. I've, sorry about that. Um, you know, the LH line, which, which I think everyone should try it, it is, it is different than pretty much everything out there because of the tobaccos I use to try to capture the essence of a Cuban cigar. I don't like saying they're Cuban-esque or they're like Cubans or they're just like, no, but if you like a Cuban cigar, those three blends at least gives you an idea as an American, but with more flavor, different types of flavors. Now, for years, people kept saying, hey, why don't you make a cigar like this? Why don't you make a cigar like that? And I said, of course I could. Uh, but again, the majority of my market was overseas. And, and I did, I did want to, and I, I still want to gain uh, market share here in the US. But, you know, it's a very, I, I, initially when I got in this business, I really didn't see myself even trying because there are so many great cigars out there and there's so many different and it's a tough thing to do, right? It's there's 5,000 different cigars. I didn't want to be 5,001. Um, but as the LH started to take somewhat of a hold and it was starting to get known, people kept saying, well, why don't you try this? Why don't you try that? So I, I started blending cigars, what I would consider for the US market. And that's the Nick line. And I made cigars that didn't exist in Vitola size in the LH line. So I came out, well, except the Toro, of course, because that's what majority of Americans seem to like, and it's a yeah. great size. So then I made a Lonsdale. I'm in the LH. I have a Corona and I have a, and I have a Lancero, but I didn't have a Lonsdale. So I made a Lonsdale, and then I started making Figurados because I had no Figurados in the LH line. So the um, you know the 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 Ponzone is a very different Perfecto size, and then I made the Nick Junior, which was a um, flying pig size, which is a smaller version of the Ponzone in some ways, because people were asking. But what I did differently is try to, again, everything I do is well, well fermented and smooth. So kicking up the strength, for me, strength is about full body, you know, flavor. Um, a lot of people and a lot of cigars, they, let's say, don't ferment as much which gives it more of a harshness in my opinion. So, but people tend to like that. A lot of people like that harshness. So they, if they couldn't feel it in their back of their throat, it was, they weren't smoking a good cigar. For me, that's the idea of what I don't want to smoke. When I can feel it right. in the back of my throat, that tells me primarily that that cigar is either one you know, under fermented or harsh 
by design. And I just don't believe in that type of thing. But with the with the Nikos, which was even my push, the Nick line, people seem to gravitate towards the American market seemed to love it. And um, I decided to try to experiment and go even stronger. And it took me a while to come out with the Nikos. With the Nikos, what I did with that was I used two different types of Lijeros in one. Usually people would use one Lijero from one particular country. And I said, you know what? Let me try two different countries. So I used a Brazilian Lijero leaf and a Dominican. And I don't use a lot of Dominican leaves, but especially when people think of Dominican, they think, you know, all mild and and they are primarily known for milder cigars, but they can have a stronger cigar. Again, it's how you ferment and, um, you know, what the priming is and everything. So I use two different Lijero leaves in that Nikos, and yet it's still very smooth, but has a lot more flavor. So uh, people have enjoyed it. And uh, my next cigar will continue down that path. I, I, I think it's a great cigar. Like I liked the uh, Nick and Jim. Like that was, uh, you know, when I didn't want the Claro or the Colorado first thing in the morning, the, the Nick and Jim or the uh, uh, Ponzone. Uh, you know, that was always the one that I would, I would go to. Uh, but this, I, I, I like this, this, this Nikos is absolutely brilliant. And we actually got a couple of comments on our, on our episode, oh. uh, 99 from a, uh, Achilles oh. I, and look, I am going to slaughter your name. So I apologize, uh, beforehand, <laughs> but Achilles, uh, to, to, I fucking slaughtered that. I apologize. He's, uh, you know, why? He said, as always, he's a fellow yeah. Greek. You know that, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I figured you'd probably look at this and be able to pronounce it. Go, yeah, you're an idiot. I am an idiot. So, uh, as always, great show. Cubans, nah. Uh, I have about a hundred that can sit there and age, which I agree totally. <laughs> That's what all they do is they just fucking sit there and age. Uh, Nick, keep doing what you're doing. We love you in Australia. From all the Ashhole Australian members, I'll keep smoking my Nick Panzones, and I recommend you try the Nick line, including the Nikos, with a peated whiskey like a Lagavulin uh, 16. Holy crap, the perfect match. So, Achilles, thank you very much uh, for the comments, for the uh, for all the love for Nick, because Nick really does do a, a great job with his line. If you haven't tried LH Cigars, go into your local uh, retailer and tell them they need to carry LH, and then have them send an email to Nick at... Uh, uh, LH cigars or Nick at simply stogies and he'll, uh, he'll, uh, set you straight. He'll, uh, he'll hook you up, uh, uh, or the uh, lounge up as the, the case may be, but they are great cigars. Check them out. Uh, and then quick Tim, I, I really just, I want to give a shout out. We okay. have got a new brand new Ellie. I know Tim's like, Jesus, oh, fuck, no, can we yeah, in, no, the, in the show, please. But fuck, I, I didn't even catch that. So I'm glad you did. Yeah, no, we've got a brand new, uh, Ellie club member, uh, Lou cross Lou, my man. Like, thank you. Appreciate the love. Appreciate the support. I know I haven't talked to you in a minute. I apologize. I have been busy. Lots of shit going on. Uh, but you are a scholar and a gentleman, sir. So I, uh, we appreciate your support. Uh, and if you'd like to support us on the LE Club, go to simplystogies.com. Click the LE Club in the top uh, right corner. Uh, and uh, you can uh, help support us. Because right now we don't have any ads. We have no ads. We are ad-free, sponsor-free, uh, money-free. And we, <laughs> yeah, that's not a joke. <laughs> that's not a joke. Uh, we could really use some uh, an infusion of cash uh, because this is a passion project up to this point. So uh, if you guys want to keep this a passion project and keep me from reading 30 second ads during the podcast, uh, like some kind of podcast ass clown shilling for everybody else, uh, LE Club is the way to do it. You can make donations or you can uh, become an LE Club member. 
Uh, and we appreciate you. So Nick, big sh- or Lou, big shout out to you. I appreciate uh, the support. Tim, that's really, I, I guess, really all I had for this episode. You should smoke a few more humans and stop being such a whiny little bitch. But well, I mean, uh, you know, but here's the thing. This is why in, in uh, with the Claro, I was out to traveling to your house and I lit one up and I was like, holy crap. This I remember is good. that. Yeah. You, you were like. You walked into the lounge. You're like, "What the fuck?" This I t- I'm like, "I told you it was good." You're like, "I didn't know it was this good." I'm like, "I fucking said it was good." You're like, "Holy shit, it was fucking great!" Yeah, hundred percent. Matter of fact, uh, a, a certain retailer, uh, he had some left, and I just bought them out. So I have a few more, and then I've got to do some hunting to find some more I LH think there's cigars. A, there's a there's a shop up around your way, Tim, that has them. I'll have to take a look. I'll have to take a look. It's uh, uh, Nick. Do you remember the name of the shop that's in Iowa that, that carries um, it? Yeah, the name yep. of the shop is Smoldering Cigars. They're in Livermore, Iowa. Uh, the proprietor is Brian Bolin, and excuse me, Brian, for not having it on the tip of my tongue, but he's a very big supporter, and they seem to be doing okay with the LH. So, if you're in Iowa right now, I think he's the only guy I got in Iowa. I think he is, yeah. which is sad. Which is sad. I mean, there are several shops around Iowa that should be carrying your stuff that just aren't. Uh, and we've been doing our best to uh, preach the gospel of LH cigars because they really are. They're great. If you want something Cubanesco with, for the core line, and if you want something more Americanized, but it's going to have that smooth, creamy undertone where you're not going to get that harshness that you normally get from, you know, some of these other dirt cigars that you're smoking. Like the, the the Nick line is is for you because it's it's really good. Try the Nikos. I'm just telling you right now. Try the freaking Nikos. I I am doing my best not to smoke through it as fast as I am, but it's like every day I'm like, fuck it. I don't give a shit. I'll just buy more. James, we can you can always buy more. Uh, right. <laughs> no, you, you are you are, guys. You are making me a little bit uncomfortable because the one thing you know from my smooth draws days and 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 being a podcaster with you guys. As much as look, I do want to promote my cigars. I just don't want people to think that this is just all about self-promotion. And, you know, I, I do love the industry and I love cigars. That's why I got into the business and I, hey, and I love know, what I do. But, uh, you know, I appreciate I, I, it, but I don't want people to think that this is just a commercial for LH every time I'm on. If if people think this is a commercial <laughs> for LH every time you're on, they're 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 they obviously haven't been listening. But I like when I get a chance to kind of you know give you some love, Nick. I'm going to give you some love. So that that's the way the way it is. Like tomorrow night, Nick, you and I are sitting down on the next show. It's going to be with Andy Yaffe. We sit down with him tomorrow night for McAuliffe Cigars, and we talk about McAuliffe Cigars, and we talk about. Uh, you know, everything they've done from the, from, you know, during the pandemic, a lot of things have changed. I know they got rid of, uh, their bold line or they're, they're phasing that out. So they've got a lot of, a, a lot of stuff going on. I'll catch up with him. Uh, and he's a friend of the show. He's been on, uh, once before, I think we've had Dan Thompson, president of McAuliffe on before. So McAuliffe's a friend of the show. So we're going to talk about McAuliffe and people will think I'm shilling for McAuliffe, but I li- we get literally no money from anybody ever. Uh, so yeah, it's not it's not that we're shilling for you or anything. It's like if it's a good cigar, I'm going to tell people it's a good cigar. Like if I smoked a Gurkha that I really like to be like, guys, fuck, I was wrong about Gurkha. Go smoke a Gurkha. Hey, Fortunately, Gurkha sells, that, man. Gurkha sells, Gurkha sells well, a lot of cigars. I can tell you that. That's because they're so heavily discounted. I mean, it's a steal. Look, <laughs> I, look I, I've said this before. Smoke what you like, right? I'm yeah. not going to. 
But I, and I, I think I've said this before. Unfortunately, I'm a cigar snob. I really am. I like the boutique stuff. I love the, uh, the, the craft stuff. I think there's more love and attention uh, that go into it. Uh, when you're a smaller manufacturer, because you really have to focus on quality and, and what you're putting out and it has to, it has to hit every time. Does it hit every time? No, but when it hits, it hits and it smacks harder than anybody else. And so that's why, sure. I'm a cigar snob. Fuck it. I'll say it. I don't give a shit. I I, like, it is what it is. I like what I like. You like what you like. You like a Gurkha, smoke a Gurkha. I'm still going to flip you shit. (laughs) All right. Well, with that, we've been trying to end this for some time now, but James just won't quit flapping his gums. Empty can Uh, rattles the most. (laughs) Nick, thanks for coming on. My pleasure. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule. Uh, Hopefully you're willing to come back on again. I didn't ruin it too much for you. And uh, it is the after show. We should probably just have Nick on all the fucking time. (laughs) Hey, I would be more than happy to have you on. Well, listen, I, I love I'm, cigars not, and I love talking about cigars. And that's why one of the hats that I wear is the, you know, the media hat. And I, and I love to promote the industry and promote cigars. And uh, I'll be, be happy to be on anytime you want me on. I'm just going to volunteer, Nick, to come on all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> We're going to have a great time at the PCA trade show because it sounds oh, like me and you good. are going to hang out quite a bit. Uh, yeah, you two are going to get to know each other uh intimately not intimately <laughs> yeah intimately, yeah, not, but yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah like, but like you guys are gonna get to know each other pretty well we're, we're gonna be like best friends right. well i don't know about that because i have a feeling nick's gonna come to me and go why the fuck did you pair me up with the mac this guy just mispronounced 17 cigars in front of 17 different manufacturers what the fuck uh that's why i don't talk uh <laughs> james do what you do for me buddy and uh sign us out hey uh thanks for watching everybody uh that that was tim uh, over there and that that was nick there I'm James. Stay smoky, friends.